Welcome to the Nonprofit Tech Podcast presented by FusionSpan. My name is Jess Berniski, and I am here today with a very special guest, Rebecca A. Church, who's the founder and CEO of A. Church Consulting. Welcome, Rebecca. Why, thank you, Justin. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on today to talk about work from home. Uh, I think it's obviously a hot topic right now with so many people working from home. Uh, can you start by talking a little bit about this? Because this, this for you didn't just start in the, this year in 2020. When did you actually begin your work from home experience? Um, you're exactly right, Justin. I've actually been working home, from home for approximately 15 years, almost almost 16 years now, I guess it is. When my husband was transferred, we were transferred out of the Washington, D.C. area down to Charlotte, North Carolina. And at the time, I was working for a large, um, sci a large professional association and doing project management for them. In fact, implementing an AMS at the time and um, walked into the office and basically said, my husband's being transferred. We've got a couple options, you know, it may be time for us to part ways. Um, I can stay on as a contractor or we can try this as an employer-employee relationship still. And so they said, why not keep you as an employee? And so 15 years ago, we, you know, packed up the truck, moved to Charlotte, and I started working remotely and have been working remotely ever since. Wow. And so... How long, but then you obviously you left and you transitioned into consulting. When did that transition happen? And was there ever any consideration of getting an office at that point? Um, absolutely not. Um, you know, I found that in the time that I worked from home for the association, that I was much more productive, um, happier. I had a much greater work-life balance. And so I saw how effective we could build teams from a virtual environment. And I also wanted to make sure that I was hiring the best talent and I didn't want to be constrained by a physical location or a physical building. So when it was time for, you know, when we established um, our consulting firm, you know, I wanted to be able to hire the best and brightest talent and not, not have, have constraints with the zip codes. So to me, it was never even a consideration to have a brick and mortar building. The technology was there. Um, we, we knew the protocols that we needed to set up. We knew how to build a team. We knew how to build community and our, our clients are all over the country. So why do we need to be in one physical location when we meet our clients where they are? That makes a lot of sense. So now that you have seen a bunch of your clients who are moving remote, uh, they're adjusting to this process. What are some of the common mistakes that you're seeing people make with their transition into working from home? Well, I, I'm happy to say that I think a lot of people have done this a lot more gracefully than I thought they were going to. Um, technology has gotten to a point where many people were already working, you know, from a technology standpoint in the cloud. And so it made the transition much easier from a continuity standpoint, just typical business continuity. And so I think where I've seen people struggle is how to use the collaboration tools and how to use the informal and how to establish informal and formal communication channels. So, you know, doing, conducting all of your communication via email, probably not a good idea right now. And so if they hadn't been introduced to Teams or Slack or some other sort of informal communication channel, that I've seen people really struggle with getting on board with those tools, understanding how they should be used and optimized, and thinking that all communication should still take place via email. So if you go that route, you kind of struggle. 
and then you know adopting the new tools there was a learning curve there as well so i think you know what i would characterize it is 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 the it's not a mistake that people haven't made that people have made but they've been more caught off guard but they didn't have those protocols in place because those norms already exist in the workplace so when you're in a physical office if somebody's door is shut you know to knock if um, you can pop down the hall for the quick casual conversation you know what a meeting looks like so when going virtual again i don't think it was mistakes as much as comfort with using the tools and the technology to say when do i chat with someone informally when is it time to send an email when do i need to get on a video conference with someone can i just you know video conference someone at any point in time with teams you know what does that look like so i think it was what i've seen people really struggle with and get their arm and try to get their arms around is what does that look like now because it's a new way of communicating that perhaps wasn't as comfortable or familiar as what happens in in a standard brick and, and mortar but that said there are some other there's some other challenges in just working at home in general um, so what I see from a personal side in terms of an individual and setting up to be successful in working at home um, it's in, when you haven't set boundaries potentially with your family and I think right now especially with COVID it's very difficult because we've got all of our kids running around our dogs running around I mean who hasn't been on a meeting with at least you know one interruption of some sort going on and you know what I think that's fine because I think what's happened here is we've 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 understood that we're all human, which I think has actually been a great outcome of this. Is the humanity of who we are as individuals has really come to the forefront of this. But there are times where you do need to try to set those boundaries and establishing those and having those conversations and being comfortable with the conversations. Again, I think that's more unfamiliar territory. Um, other newbie mistakes: I'm going to work in my pajamas all day. Probably not a good idea. And it's not a good idea from a couple of standpoints of of having that routine and structure, you know, you know, yeah, you can be a little fluid. Admittedly, I'm sleeping a little later, you know, when and I, I typically don't get up to around 630 where I know tons of my colleagues when they commuted, they were up at five and 530 because they were going into DC. So I I've always had the luxury of sleeping until around 630. But my my routine is I get up, I take a shower, or I get up, I go to the gym, whatever it is, kind of having that ritual that starts the day, um, that idea of I'm just going to loll around, but you've got to have that ritual to, 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 to set your schedule. The other thing I think people make a mistake on is um, they don't move. Um, for example, I'll admit I've committed the sin today, I've had too many back-to-back -back meetings, and I've in, in essence sat in this chair all day. Well, really, you know, that's not healthy. Um, your hip flexors gets get tight. Um, you need to make sure that you're focusing in different areas instead of at the screen all the time. So I find that people, when they get entrenched in the work, they're not actually getting up and moving. So, you know, I think what we're struggling with in terms of the common, you know, as you just came to the common mistakes is it's really just familiarity, both on the organization side and then setting up that environment for you as an individual. So I really break it out into, into two, two categories is how do I set myself up for personal success? And then how do myself, how do we set up those protocols again for organizational success um, so that we can work in a productive environment? I think that's 
such a good observation of um, kind of having that routine, particularly, you know, I, one of the things I feel like that I, um, we sort of, everyone was forced to start working from home. I set up my desk, you know, I partially out of necessity, but it's on top, it's a standing desk for me. It's on top of my bureau. It's in my bedroom because I kind of have to have my kids, you know, I've got a three and a seven-year-old running around or sorry, four and a seven-year-old running around. And so kind of needed that space, but it it also, you know, it kind of, that was very helpful because I realized part of my commute, I get to walk, I get to move and you're losing so much of that. And so finding new ways to add into that routine and I think that's also, you pointed out with, you know, when you're in an office, you kind of, there are these sort of unspoken behaviors that we learn, you know, as people, I think we're, we're seeing more companies planning for remote work for a longer period of time. You know, I think the, some of the big tech firms have already said all the way through 2020, they're going to allow remote work. Um, mm-hmm. As people are starting to, and companies are starting to take that into account and adjust to a long-term remote Mm -hmm. what are some of the biggest challenges you think they'll have and how can they plan for those um you're exactly right um, about the tech companies twitter facebook zillow um, they've all announced that their workforce can work from home or i think i think twitter even said wherever you want in the world from now until the end of the year that they they've gotten accustomed to this and I think I already shared that one of the associations that I work with has already announced that they're going to be working from home until September. Until September. So I think that some of the, the keys to success and moving forward are, are beginning to put some of those, those protocols and rituals in place. You know, I personally believe that what COVID has done is advance work from home at least 10 years. You know, I really feel like, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna wax poetic here a little bit, but you know, we had that moment where Yahoo and a couple of large companies brought people back into the office because they, you know, they didn't see the collaboration that they wanted to. Well, I would argue that they didn't see the collaboration because they hadn't adjusted their protocols, they hadn't trained their managers, they hadn't helped the organization put those new, make that new muscle memory for working remote in place prior to going remote. Um, If we're going to go remote, we need to do so deliberately, thoughtfully. I know, again, I know we've kind of hit here, but I think the long-term success is now for us to take that step back and say, what is it that we need to put in place now for long-term success? So Justin, you hit on it. What you know in the office place, we have those silent indicators. Again, a door being shut. What does a meeting look like? People sitting in a room talking. If someone's walking around the hallway, you know you can interrupt them. So we have we have those norms already in place. So what's different in long-term success in virtual work is being deliberate about those, having conscious conversations so that you have aligned expectations versus misaligned expectations. One of the examples I'll bring up is chat and informal communication. So within your organization, if you're IMing, is there an expectation that you're gonna get back with them immediately, within an hour, by the end of the day? So Justin, if you IM me, and I'm not on do not disturb and I'm green, 
and you think, why, why didn't Rebecca respond to me? Hold on, she's green. She hasn't responded to me. So you could have a totally different takeaway where I could have been doing, maybe I was doing some deep work and didn't want to be interrupted because I was writing something that was very sophisticated. Well, my signal to you, my silent signal said green. So you're potentially interpreting, I should be available. And in your mindset, you th should think, she should be responding immediately. Why isn't she responding? Is she not working? So we need to, we need to thoughtfully think about that. So that's a communication breakdown that could cause tension in the organization that it doesn't need to. So I think about that scenario when really, if I'm doing deep work, what I should potentially do is set myself on do not disturb so that we don't have misaligned expectations about communication. And that we should also have a conversation within it, either department or division within work groups about what expectations are around this channel of communication. Do we expect immediate responses? Is, you know, how, how do we read the new silent signals of yellow, green, those automatic indicators that are in, incorporated in so many tools? So what's happening is people are making assumptions about behavior without actually checking those. Just the way, you know, but we're making, you know, again, in that office, if somebody's door shut, you know, you're going to knock and, you know, they may not have time for you, but, you know, we've got to figure out what that not looks like, not what that knock looks like in the virtual environment. So I think that's really one of the keys of success for long-term, um, for long-term, um, you know, kind of remote work moving forward. The other thing I think is really managing, managing things differently so remote work environments work best, in my opinion, in transparent organizations because there's a level of accountability and transparency of managing to the outcome versus managing to the hours worked. So you can have some asynchronous communication. So transparency and protocols for transparency are also really important for being able to see the status and state of a project or initiative um, to be able to do handoffs in an asynchronous way versus some other sort of channel like a project management tool, um, a task list that's shared among the team. So you can see that. So I think there are just some, as I said, it's kind of very deliberate and mindfulness about some protocols that you need to put in place and then managing that to that. Also putting in some additional communication um, um, cadences between managements and the, and the team. You know, you have those naturally within a workplace where you, again, run into somebody in the hall. But I often say to managers when working with them, the only time you ever call one of your staff members on the phone is when they're in trouble or when you want something. That, that's probably not a good way for you to build a relationship in a virtual environment. So you have to think deliberately about how you're building that relationship just the way you would when you're on, when you're in, in the workplace. You know, how are you recreating those, that water cooler moment? How are you creating those casual conversations that allow you to build strong connections long-term? So that is another key to success of figuring out how you're going to do that. Um, and and the, we, we've got quite a few tips on how to do that. Well, yeah, I think that's um, the green indicator. I think on, you know, we use at FusionSpan, we use Slack. I don't do a good job definitely of updating my status, but I also, you know, pe people will ping me whenever. Um, and I, you know, overall we've been using it for several years. And so 
there's a general cadence of, you know, I will get back to them as quickly as possible. And I don't, I have never had anyone feel like I'm ignoring them, but I do think if it's, if you're new to it and you're, you know, there's, we send that email and we, we start to worry, oh, we haven't gotten a response. What's wrong. And so just vocalizing some of those expectations and getting them out there and not always making those assumptions is really great. I think, you know, you started, you touched a little bit on managers and being, you know, connecting with your team members in that informal, you know, water cooler setting, you know, I, can we, can we dive in a little bit there? Cause I think, you know, I, I have my check-ins with my team. I've right. tried to have some, you know, we try and make sure we're taking a little bit of time at the start of meetings to just check in with each other, see how we're doing. Um, are there other strategies that you're seeing managers take that really help keep their team engaged, keep them motivated, uh, keep them moving forward? Absolutely. So, you know, you just hit on part of it is, you know, every efficiency book that you read talks about having a set agenda for all your meetings so you can stay focused and get things done. I agree with an agenda, but I also believe in connectedness. And so I find in a virtual environment from a manager standpoint, one thing you can do is show up to a virtual meeting you know, when you're doing a, a Teams meeting or Zoom or whatever platform you're using, if you're on video, show up a couple minutes earlier. Allow for that space for people who are going to join to maybe have that casual conversation. So I find managers are doing some, you know, they'll show up a little bit earlier. They allow for that space to have those casual conversations. You don't just necessarily dive straight into the agenda, but um, allow for the conversation to flow a little and then get onto the agenda. I think the other thing they do is, is they practice transparency themselves and model that behavior. So one of the things that we say um, for managers and teams in the environment from the managers, the calendar is king. So, so being able to know that everybody's sharing their calendar, maybe not full details, but limited details. So you can see when somebody's available. Again, that's one of those protocols. And so knowing that you as a manager, you say, hey, if you need to, if you need to schedule a call, my, my, I'm available from this time to this time every day. Just drop it on my calendar. Happy to meet with you. So really creating that opening for two-way communication and making sure that, that that staff member can essentially do the pop-in as they would in your office you know, to create that virtual pop-in. They can pop it on your calendar and you're going to respond and you're going to be there. So I think that's, that's a technique that, that our successful managers use. They also allow for flexibility. So one of the greatest benefits of working virtually, in my opinion, is you can work to your energy level. So we have some people on our team that really work best in the morning. And they work mostly, you know, they're online at seven o'clock in the morning until about three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And then they're toast. They don't, you know, after four o'clock, really not the best time. But that 7 a.m. you know, schedule is really good for them. So allowing for flexibility because they, you know how your team works, that is something a manager can do to really get productivity and frankly, happiness, satisfaction out of your team. That, you know, people always talk about engaged employees in the workplace. Well, that creates an engaged employee when you allow them to work when they're at their best and can give you their best instead of shoehorning them in to a specific schedule. Well, virtual work definitely allows you to do that. So I think that's what good managers do. I've tried to think, you know, the other thing they do is really celebrate successes. And, you know, this is another way we can use some of those channels. 
you know, not necessarily email, but again, Slack or Slack or, you know, Teams or a channel within, you know, some sort of communication team to really shout out and, and celebrate what the team is doing and what individual contributions are to that team. That's important that you need to have some way to really be able to celebrate individual contributions to the team and team contributions in a way that, that they are recognized in a more public forum. So those are a couple of the things that we're seeing, um, you know, increasing that cadence of communication, um, making sure that, you know, even if it's just 10 minutes or a quick phone call, that they know you're there and accessible and that you're modeling that trans, again, that transparent, accessible sort of behavior that you want to get out of the team. I'd love the, especially the idea of when you are at your best being able to work then. I, so many of us, I feel like we've been forced into this pattern and we're not all the same people. We don't all work on the same schedule. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I am, for whatever reason, I am definitely a night person. And I, I mean, part of it, I think, is I, I know I'm not getting that many emails, but there's sort of this, after my kids go to sleep, I can sit down, I can get some deep focus in, get some work done. And in a manner that I just during the day, I just don't have that space necessarily. And so I think both um, as a manager, it's almost, I feel like you should, we should be encouraging it, allowing people to reflect on themselves and understand themselves a little bit better, you know, and so to have that, it's almost like a growth opportunity here. So are there other things that you're hoping people will take from this and be able to either uh, even, you know, once things kind of get back to whatever the new normal will be that they will still kind of retain and take away from this experience of work, having everyone kind of forced into a work from home that you hope will really be positive for people. Um, I, I do, you know, I was thinking of, again, back to the silver lining, which we talked about earlier. I think one of the, the biggest silver linings that I'm seeing right now is that I think the humanity of the workforce is coming out. I think, We've been so, I'm not coming up with the right words, but in the, in the focus, it's so, in the office, sometimes it's so much about being visible. And, you know, I think our introverts really shine right now in, in this environment. Um, we've got great opportunities for, for. Um, I mean, you touched on it a little bit earlier. You talked about uh, Yahoo. They yep. tried work from home, but they didn't really try it. They didn't really prep for it. Uh, so how, how is this going to be, um, how, what are you hoping people take? So. so I think the positives that are going to come out of this is that we have remembered that our employees are humans. And I feel like when we only see the persona of the work, the work persona that we present in the, in, in the office, in a physical office, that I'm watching those, those walls come down. And again, the, that remembering that we, we are multifaceted individuals we have home lives, we have personal lives, we have friends, we have family. And I think that is what's really coming out of this. I was on a, a staff meeting with one of our clients and it was awesome where they did a whole slideshow of everybody's dogs and their home workplaces. And it was frankly, it was really inspiring to watch that. And I, and I do think that that is, that is going to come out of this. I also think that prioritization is going to come out of this. I think when we go back into the office, there's going to be a fundamental question when the office is open back of what's the work we really need to do. Where are we getting the most value? 
I think people are going to start asking that question because I think it's changing our mindset a little bit in what is what are important activities versus what aren't important activities. I think there's a lot of make work that happens in in a physical office that we do because it's familiar. So I feel like that we've kind of jumped into a very unfamiliar territory for a lot of people. I'm hoping that another outcome of this is people's comfort with change a little more than perhaps they were familiar before or comfortable with. You know, I do think that every workplace we need our maintainers. We need people that help us remind us of our history and make sure that we don't go off the rails in any one major way or the other. But I also think, you know, I'm watching organizations that said, we will never go remote. We will never do this. This is too hard. We'll never learn that they've leaned in to some of the tech that they thought was so scary and they've gotten really comfortable with it really fast. So I think that, you know, I want that um, element of things don't always have to be perfect to come out of this, that we can try new things as well. So, you know, I think if we can say at the end of this, what can we really hold on to? I'd love it to be the humanity. I'd love it to be, you know, doing the, doing what we really need to do versus not what we have always done. And, and feeling comfortable and leaning into some, some things, some new opportunities that maybe we weren't as comfortable doing in the past because we had never been thrown in a position that was totally different. Yeah, I, I love it. I love the idea that we're going to be learning and growing. Um, is I, 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 hope, I hope that's, I hope you're right. I, I believe you're right. I, well, I, you're right. I hope so too. I, and that's my hope. I know that having worked remotely as long as I have, I mean, people laugh because they've seen my, you know, they've seen my kid grow up in my house. You know, they've seen, they've seen, you know, my cats grow up. They've seen, you know, me age. (laughs) And, and I do feel like everybody, I think we can be accessible and I think we can be very human. I did. I think a lot of people were scared of the tech. Well, how are we going to have video conferences and isn't that going to be difficult? And You know, I think it was much more difficult 15 years ago when we didn't have video. I mean, when I started working remotely, Justin, there wasn't any video. It was all audio conference. So I used to joke that one of the takeaways for me is that I really know a person's tone of voice now. This is kind of a sidebar, but it's very true that I can now get on the phone and I'll say, you're having a bad day, aren't you? And they're like, well, how do you know I'm having a bad day? Well, I don't have the benefit of the body language. And so I had to be so attuned to somebody's tone of voice and how it changed. And when they were angry or frustrated or tired, that your, your voice, your body language is number one, your voice is number two, and then the written language is number three in terms of how you communicate. So I'm always amazed that everybody was like, let's write that down. Let's send an email. Let's do this. I'm thinking, wait a minute, why are we doing that? Either get on the phone or get on a video conference. But as I said, 15 years ago, I didn't have the benefit of the video. Now that I can combine video and audio, sometimes I turn off video, frankly, so I can listen better because I want to make sure. So I'm hoping that what comes out of this also is that we listen better. We're paying attention because when we really listen, instead of being, being overly influenced by body language, then, then I think that's helpful too, because we really know what people are saying 
and you can be attuned to, to what you, again, what you really need versus making assumptions based on body language, which is what we do in our communication every single day. Yeah, that is, that's so true. I, I mean, I, to some extent, I've seen with this move to remote, more people are turning on their cameras. And so I am getting to kind of see more and people are definitely getting more comfortable with it. And it forces, it is very, like, it's very hard to multitask while you're on a video call with somebody and that's they're staring you in the face it's very clear that someone if someone is not focused whereas i feel like there are all these meetings where people it's tends to be a lot easier for people to kind of drift off into their devices so oh justin i couldn't agree more that is a number one rule that is that is a rule that i have about working remotely is really you're not to multitask if you're on a video conference just as if you were sitting in a room you should be paying attention I think so much, again, you know, if you're having a meeting and everybody's sitting on their devices, what's the real value of that meeting? Probably not very valuable. So that's that stuff I feel like we should be questioning. You know, do we really just need to have a quick 10 minute or is it, you know, conversation that's a one-on-one -on -one or, you know, a quick 10 minute conversation with everybody followed up by, you know, some information in a channel? Is that more efficient and effective? than 10 people sitting in a room, all sitting on their devices going, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Could you repeat that again? You know, that's make work to me. Um, but when I, when I multitask on a video conference, I'm so busted because I can't listen and pay attention and multitask at the same time. So I think if we're going to have a video conference, if we're going to have a meeting, get value out of it and please pay attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is this has been very helpful and very insightful. And if someone has been listening and they're like, okay, now I need I, I feel like I've just scratched the surface. I need more. Where what resources are out there and where maybe where can they connect with you? I'd love to help any organization or I'd say we'd love to help any organization who's struggling with this. Um, part of what we do at A Church's Consulting is we help with not only the, the tech challenges, the collaboration tools that you should use, but really the how you should use them. And those protocols that we've talked about help guide you through those processes to make sure that, that the decisions that are being made are socialized throughout the organization, consistent with the culture, and make sense and can be used. Um, you know, we don't want to over-engineer things, but you do need some guardrails. Um, because what you don't want is the communication breaking down in these in these sorts of times. So I think for long-term success, I think, you know, even when we go back into the office, you know, maybe it's going to be half in, half out. We're, we're happy and would love to, we'd love to help you, you know, begin to, to frame that out so that your company can have really long-term success instead of interim. And just to go to our website, um, achurchconsulting.com. Or, or send an email to info at achurchconsulting.com and we'd be happy to help. Perfect. Well, thank you so much to, for your time today, Rebecca. And yeah, well, I hope people definitely check out your site. I think you've, you're constantly putting information out. You've been putting out information on remote work for so long. Um, and I thought it was, appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us today. Well, it is definitely that you're welcome. I appreciate being invited and I hope this has been valuable for the audience. That's what matters the most. Um, this is a passion topic of ours. Um, you know, having done this for 15 years, we know it can be successful and um, we want to we want to watch other people be successful and, and be able to to navigate these waters. So thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity.